In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Dr. Justin Hillhouse returns to deliver an important message on what godly men should do. And next week, we start a new series titled Mad Men of the Old Testament. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah? Yeah, everybody good? Good, good, good. All right. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We are going to be in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, we're going to look in verses 19 uh, through 24. Acts 11, 19 through 24. As you uh, turn there, we're going to start a new series next week. Uh, John Mark, unfortunately, had to be out of town this morning. And so uh, we're going to start a new sermon series next week on Tuesday morning called Mad Men of the Old Testament. Mad Men of the Old Testament. It is going to be a ton of fun as we look at some of these dudes uh, back from the Old Testament. And uh, so we are looking forward to that. But as we kind of begin today, I just kind of want to let you know that as as we uh, uh, talk today, really, this is a time, I think, of, of just a good reminder. It's always good to have a good re reminder every now and then. How many of you, uh, you kind of live your life based on reminders? You're kind of, yeah, okay, you're like that because you get up in the morning. I don't know if you're like me, but you get up in the morning and you look at your spouse, you look at your wife and you go, honey, what do I have to do today? Are y'all with me on that? How many of y'all are with me on that? Or what meetings after work do I have to be at? Are y'all with me on that? I mean, hey, what, what's going on? And so I always like a good reminder because I'm a forgetful guy. And so today I want to talk in Acts chapter 11 about this is just a good reminder for all of us. And we just need to take time to be reminded about just some stuff as being dudes. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, this weekend I have three parties I have to be at. And if you're in my position, do you want to go to those parties? No, you do not want to go to any of these parties. Are you all with me on that? I don't want to go to all these parties. And my wife, she has already set out. She told me last night, she said, look, I, are you free this time? Are you free this time? Are you? Yes, honey. And she said, good, because we have those parties. And so as a guy, what do you always ask if you were going to have to go to a party? What is one question you ask? What do I got to wear? wear? Okay, yeah, that's true. Why? Why? Yeah, what else? How long are we going to stay? What else? Huh? Is there food? That's, that, there you go. Amen. Who else? What, what else do you ask? If you don't want to go, you're going to ask the important question, who's going to be there? Right? You're going to ask that question. Hey, who is going to be at the party? And why do you ask that question? And th this is not a rhetorical question. I want you to answer. Why do you ask the question, Who's going to be there? I can't be there. <laughs> Say that again. Someone you can talk to. Someone you can talk to? Someone you want to avoid? Someone you want to avoid? Keith has wisdom. That's true. What else? Why ask that question? Who's going to be there? Because who's going to be there is going to determine if you're going to have fun or not, right? You know? It, it, you're going to say, well, well, who's going to be there? And then your wife or my wife, she'll start listing off. And all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, this is going to be a, a fun party based on who is going to be there. And why do you look forward to seeing some of those guys while you're there? Why do you look forward to seeing them? 
Huh? You like them. You like them. And why do you like them? Because what? They're fun to hang out with. What else? You have things in common. What else? They tell good stories. They're just fun, right? You show up and you say, hey, listen, I just want to have fun. I want to have a good time. I want to have an enjoyable time. And so if I'm going to have that, I want to be able to sit down with another guy and at least have a fun, good, entertaining conversation. Today in the New Testament, we see this guy, and his name is Barnabas, okay? And Barnabas was a Levite that lived in Cyprus, and he led a lot of Jews. He also led a lot of Gentiles to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And Barnabas travels Okay, all throughout the book of Acts. And he is constantly telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Barnabas is mentioned in Acts. He's mentioned in Galatians. He's mentioned in 1 Corinthians. He's also in Colossians. He's even mentioned at the very beginning of Acts. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 through 37, this is how we get introduced to this guy named Barnabas. He says this in verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. So his real name is Joseph, but all the apostles called him Barnabas. Barnabas, that's his nickname. How many of you like to give other people nicknames? All right? You do? You like to give people nicknames? Huh? Yeah. I have nicknames, right? I'm known as Justin the Wiser, all right? <laughs> I'm also known by Mike as Jihadi. <laughs> I'm just quit, bud. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm also known as Jihadi Justin, okay, by Mike Wagers, all right? I have a few nicknames or some nicknames I can't repeat in this room. Okay, some of you have nicknames over here. We have Handsome Greg, that's a nickname, right? And he hates that, and we're gonna use it against him, right, Handsome Greg? That's right. What kind of nicknames do you give guys? Y'all give guys nicknames, or do you have a nickname? What's your nickname? We're not telling you. Why not? <laughs> This is a message of encouragement, by the way. <laughs> Come on, what are your nicknames? Rat. Huh? Rat? Rat? That does fit. Wow. What else? Little Alien. Huh? Little Alien. Your nickname is Little Alien? I'm Little Alien. That's awesome. I'll call you that. Right. <laughs> Did you just stand up to confirm? Yeah, you are kind of little alienish. What else? Huh? Anybody else? Anybody else got a nickname they want to share or they can share in here? Tell you what, it's good because you have this guy named Joseph and what, he gets a nickname. His nickname is Barnabas, which means, if you see there in Scripture, son of encouragement. Okay, And how we get introduced to this guy named Barnabas is in verse 37 it says, And he sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And so we see this guy named Joseph now. His nickname is Barnabas. That's what they call him now is Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And that, that's, a good, that's a good name, I would, I would see. And we see him all throughout Scripture. And 
are in the New Testament. And one of the things that, that, that Barnabas is really known for is he's the guy that when Paul gets saved and everybody looks at Paul and they're kind of standing back and they're wondering, hey, is, is Paul really saved? Did, did he really accept Jesus Christ as a personal owner? Is he really truly a follower? It was Barnabas that went with Paul to the disciples and said, hey, listen, this guy is for real, okay? It was Barnabas that vouched for Paul. And so we see glimpses of Barnabas's personality and who this guy is all throughout the New Testament. Well, in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas shows up on the scene and we see just kind of really who this guy is. And from what we see on who this guy is, is a good reminder for us as the kind of men that we need to be in our world of influence. So in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19, it says this, now those who were scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far uh, as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, also telling them about the good news, about the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what we need to understand is back a few chapters ago is Stephen was stoned. Stephen was martyred for his faith. And we look at that and we go, man, that's, that's bad. And that is a bad thing. But the purpose, the reason why Stephen is martyred for his faith is because all the Christians were right there in Jerusalem. And it was because Stephen was martyred and he was slaughtered for his faith that it just broke everyone up and everyone got scared. And all of a sudden they scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. They began to travel because they did not want the same fate that Stephen had. And if you remember, it was Paul, or formerly known as Saul, that was holding the cloaks of those that were stoning Stephen. And so it was because of Stephen's death that these Christians have now been scattered all throughout the Roman Empire and into the world. And so here we see in verse 21, they end up in Antioch, and then it says the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When they arrived, they saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them to all remain true to the Lord with, their, with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The church in Antioch is uh, uh, there in Syria. It is uh, uh, a church that has played a, a, a big role in the New Testament and in the book uh, of Acts. It was here in Antioch that we first got the title and the label as Christians. In Acts 11, verse 26, that is where we get our label is from Antioch. That's when they started saying, hey, you are little Christ. You are Christians. That's what the word Christian means is little Christ. And that's where we got our 
label. And Antioch is this mix of Jews and Gentiles. Uh, Antioch was, was just a place that was fertile, that was ready to hear the gospel. There was a model congregation there. There was a model church there in Antioch as the early church was beginning to form. Antioch itself was just a busy town. It was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. It was, uh, it had the population and historians kind of argue about this anywhere between 100,000 to 300,000 people. If you compare that to our times today, that is like uh, either the population of Allen, okay? Or the population of Plano. The population of Allen is 107,000 people. The population of Allen, is, or uh, the population of Plano is about 280,000 people. So how big was Antioch? I would say it's probably about the size of Allen, Texas. And so I don't know about you, but it takes like 20 minutes to drive across Allen. Y'all know that? That's a pain. Y'all with me on that? All the stoplights, y'all even go over here off of uh, 75 and Stacy. Don't go there at all. I avoid that like the plague. Just, it, just, and it continues to blow up and people keep on coming here. Why? Because it's just a place where people want to live. Antioch was the same place. It was a trade town. It is where people came Okay, to trade, it was a hub of trade. It was only 16 miles from a river, and it was the main hub. It was where Egyptian goods and goods from Asia Minor and Italy and Mesopotamia, they all kind of made their way through Antioch. And so it was a strategic uh, trading hub for a lot of folks. And so therefore, there was a lot of money uh, and influence and power there in Antioch. And so God is moving in the hearts and the lives of people there in Antioch. The good news of God is being shared. And news reaches to Jerusalem and to the apostles there. And so what do they do? They send Barnabas down there. And they send him down there because he is Barnabas. He's the son of encouragement. And when we talk about encouragement... We're not talking just about the things that we say. When we say encouragement, we always think of, hey, it's about the things that I say. Those things encourage you. But for really us as guys, some of us, we don't give a whole lot of verbal encouragement. Are you all with me on that? Like the most encouragement we give is, hey, good job. You all with me on that? Hey, hey, good job. We don't sit down and be like, hey, you did a really wonderful job, and I'm so proud of you, and man, you just, we don't say, I don't say that to my son, all right? When he plays football and he walks off the field, he goes, how'd I do, Dad? And I said, you did good. And that's enough. That's enough. And that's all us guys. That's all we need, okay? But it's not the words that we say as much as it is our actions, and so here we see four things that godly men do to encourage one another. Four things that godly men do to encourage one another, to encourage those around us. And y'all have probably heard some of this before, but this is just a good reminder. And here's the first thing. First thing is this, is that we need to remember to show up and to do something. We need to remember to show up and do something. If you look there in verse 22, it says this, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God 
has done. Antioch is 300 miles from Jerusalem. That is the equivalent of basically Lake Texoma all the way down to San Antonio. Okay, that's how far the distance is. Have you ever driven 35? Okay, it's horrible. Okay, here's the deal. It's 300 miles. That's about 300 miles. So you know the distance, okay? That's about how far it is. So news has traveled from basically Lake Texoma all the way down to San Antonio. And so what happens? They send Barnabas. And Barnabas doesn't get sidetracked. He goes directly there. And guess what? Barnabas shows up. You know, for us guys, a lot of the times in our lives, it is not about what we say. It is just simply that our presence is there. Are you all with me on that? It's just that you simply took the time and you showed up. It's hard to work when you don't show up for work. Are you with me on that? It's hard to catch a fish when you don't show up at the lake. How many of you are with me on that, okay? You can't do it. It is hard to be a father to your children when you are not there. It's hard to be a good husband when your presence is not there in the home and with your spouse. And not only is it just us showing up, but it's us showing up and then actually doing something. To show up, in, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this doing something, but we have to mention it here is that we need to show up and we need to do something. And whether it is physical or whether it is spiritual, we still have to show up, guys. Our presence needs to be there. Uh, This past Friday night, uh, the Allen Eagles, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, the Allen Eagles do this little dance. Do you have that dance? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Point is, is they do this dance, it's called the Bob Dance. How many of y'all have heard of the Bob Dance? Okay, well, you missed it. It happens every year. Okay, and go ahead and show, you can't really see it, but anyway, yeah, yeah, pull it, pull, pull it up. I sent it up, yeah, there you go, there you go, right there, there, there you go, okay. All right, here you go. Now, you really can't see it, okay, because this is taken from far, far away, but there are some dudes that, can you shrink it, can you make it smaller maybe so we can get some better pixelation there, huh? Can you, can, can you make, it, make it smaller? There you go, there you go, play in mini. Oh, oh yeah, that's really small, but go ahead. Okay, can you pause it now? Okay, now I want you to stand on one foot. And, okay, right over here, there's a, yeah, okay, so like right here, kind of see this blob right here? Okay, that's, uh, that's Ernie Bogner. Where's Ernie, where's Ernie? Ernie right there, all right, there's Ernie. So Ernie is out there on Allen Field dancing with his daughter. Okay, now come on, one, two, three, everybody all on three, ready? One, two, three, all. 
So Ernie is out there. He's dancing with his daughter. I found out about it. I told his wife, I said, Susanna said, get a video of that, okay? So we're going to text this video out to everyone so you can watch it later. But he's out there, and if you can really see it, he's out there, and they're doing this. And then if you keep on playing it, because then they get in a line, and they start doing the kick thing, and Ernie, his foot comes like this high off the ground. It's the most funny. Everyone else is like this, and he's like, you know, it, it's greatness. But here, here's the point. Okay, this, this, this is the point. Number one, well, there's two points. Number one is to embarrass Ernie. And did we do that, gentlemen? Yeah. Yes, we did. But then, here's the second point. The second point is this, is that he shows up to be with his daughter. Does he care about the dance? Ernie, did you care about the dance? Not really. Okay, he didn't care. But this is the point. The point is, is that he took the time to show up and to simply be with his daughter. And the question I have is I see all these girls with all these men up there. And I remember my wife making this comment. She said, I wonder how many dads had to show up and stand in for somebody else who couldn't be there. Right? How many absentee fathers were actually represented out there and I tell you what men for 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 some of us for most of us here in this room it is not exactly what we say to our kids but it is that we just simply show up and we have to show up for our families we have to show up for our spouse we need to show up and be there for them I like what David says in second uh, Samuel chapter 10 and 7 and 12. He says this, Be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. David is getting ready to go to battle. And what does he tell his army? Hey guys, let's be strong and let us show up and show our people and show God that we are here. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, I search for a man among you. Or I've searched for a man among them who will build up the wall and who will stand in the gap before me for the land so that I will not destroy it. But I have found no one. God is searching. God is looking. He says, I'm looking for a man that will stand in the gap. He's looking for a man that will just simply show up. And so, men, I want to encourage you in your job, in your home, in your family, in your church, show up. Just simply show up. And you being here now, I want to encourage you and just simply tell you, thank you for being here and showing up just to hear God's word. It says something about you. It says something about your character. It says something about what you want to do with your life and where you're going. And I want to tell you, keep on showing up, men. Keep on showing up. Because that's huge. Uh, I like what Proverbs 20, verse 6 says. It says, men claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Be faithful, men, to show up. We're going to talk about doing something here in just a few minutes. I like what Thomas Aquinas said. He said this, If the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. He would keep it in port forever. 
So I want to encourage you, man, do not keep your ship in port. But go and show up. Thought number two, don't be afraid to call out what is good and don't be afraid to call out what is bad. If you look there, what did Barnabas do? Not only does he show up, but then he says this, or it says this, scripture says, uh, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. There is something mentioned here. It says he encouraged them to remain true. That means that there were some probably there were some things that probably they weren't saying correctly. There, that means that there were some adjustments that needed to be made. When we think of correcting somebody, it, it always feels like it's confrontational. Sometimes correction, and most of the time, correction is not confrontational. It's just simply pulling someone aside and whispering in their ear, in their ear, hey, listen, you should probably do this instead of that. You should probably say this instead of that. Most of the time, correction is a simple, quick, civil conversation. A lot of corrections that are made in my home are not done with screaming and yelling, but rather just sitting down and having a conversation. A lot of corrections made at work are a civil conversation. And having a correction is not bad. It is actually a good thing. When something is good, state it. Hey, that's good. Just do what a typical guy does. Hey, good job. If something's bad, just simply say, hey, listen, we can improve by simply doing this, this, and this. But we need to be able to not be afraid to stand up and call what's good, good, and what is bad, bad. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of of an enemy. Anyone that will come to you and say, hey, listen, you need to make a correction, guys, they care for you. You with me on that? They care for you. And so when people come and say, hey, listen, you need to correct this, you need to correct that, hey, that means that they actually care. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 17, get yourself ready, stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. What is God saying right there? He's saying, hey, listen, there are times when we need to stand up and call out what's good and what's bad. And so, gentlemen, I want to encourage you, do not be scared in your job, in your family, in your home, in your spiritual walk to stand up and say, this is right and this is wrong. Don't be scared. Let me uh, uh, go on to the third thought. The third thought is this, is to protect your character. So show up, okay? First thought is show up. The second one is don't be afraid to, to tell what's good and bad. The third thought is this, is, is to protect your character. And here's where we really see Barnabas. He says this, or scripture says this, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Barnabas did not back down. He did not compromise. He did not give in when he was challenged or attacked or criticized. But rather, he was a man of character. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse uh, 5 says this, If you have raced with men on foot and they have not worn you out, and, and they have worn you out, 
how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how can you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? This is a great question. And I love these questions because it, it causes you to have to step back and simply look at your life and say, hey, listen, can I actually do this? And how important is it to me to keep on going, to keep on persevering, to stay grounded? I like what Oscar Wilde, what happened to Oscar Wilde. He says this, um, Oscar Wilde was on a visit to America back in 1882 and when he was coming through immigration and customs they asked him they said do you have anything to declare and Oscar Wilde said this he said only my genius and so of course they led him on through but then it was 15 years later he was in prison he was broke and he said this he said and I quote I have been a spendthrift of my genius. I forgot that every little action of the common day either makes or unmakes my character. He forgot that. That every day, the common day, either makes our character or it can break our character. Philippians chapter 1 verses 27 and 28. Whatever happens, what does it say? Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So there are six areas I think that we need to guard our character. And let me just run through that real quick. First area is guard your thoughts. You need to guard your thoughts. I like what Psalm 19:14 says, "May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So guard your thoughts. Put a fence around your mind. Secondly, you need to guard your sight. You need to guard your sight and where you look. I like what Job says in Job 31.1. It says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I look at a young woman? Woo. What was Brad Ashley just talking about? Guys, we know that there are some of us here in this room that, man, they struggle. You struggle with what's coming through on the Internet. You struggle with, you know, sitting there in the office and you see, you know, certain, certain ladies walk by. Guys, you could be struggling. And guys, God calls us to guard our character and to take care of our character. And so you need to guard your mind. You need to guard your sight. I'll never forget this. True story. I am young in ministry. I'm about 23 years old. I've been married for about a year. And I am out on a double date. It's me and my wife and a youth leader. I'm a youth pastor at a time. This older guy, he's like 45 years old. We're out with him and his wife. And we are walking in the mall. We are walking in Grapevine Mall, to be exact. We're walking in Grapevine Mall. We're walking uh, together. My wife and his wife are walking together. And as we're walking, he says, oh, look at that girl. And I kind of glance, and then I turn away. And I went, man, you don't need to be saying that. And he goes, what? I mean, I might have already ordered, but I can still look at the menu. And guys, I've heard guys say that, but for a youth leader to say that, Guys, that scared, that rocked my world. 
That was scary. But guys, I've heard Christian men say that all the time, all throughout ministry. Guys, we need to guard our sight. We need to be able to protect our eyes. And that is a character issue. That that just doesn't happen out there in the business world or with all of our secular friends or our friends that don't know Jesus. That happens inside the church. And guys, we need to be able to encourage one another and to build one another up. And that's not how we do it. So I want to encourage you, guard your sight, guard your words. Guard your words. Psalm 141.3. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. (laughs) Man, there are some things that I just don't need to say. Are y'all with me on that? And there are some things that you don't need to hear. We need to guard our mouth. We need to guard. uh, We need to guard our touch and how we touch others. We need to guard our relationships. It's number four. We need to guard our relationships. Guys, let me just ask you this. Do you guard your relationship with your kids? Do you guard your relationship with your wife? Do you say, hey, listen, honey, we've been too busy. We're just going to have a day to ourselves. Y'all ever done that? I want to encourage you to do that. Say, hey, clear the books. It's you and I, babe. Just for today. It's you and I. Guard your relationships. Number five, guard your vocation. Guard your vocation. There are some things you can control, and then there are other things you cannot control. You cannot necessarily control who you work with. You cannot control who you go on a business trip with. And so I want to encourage you, always bathe your job in prayer. Ask for God's protection for you and those you work with in your work. And then sixth and finally, guard your solitude. Can I, dude, last night, nobody was in my house for like two hours. And it was the most peaceful two hours of my life. I ate dinner and I took a nap. It was awesome. My wife came home, she got home first and she said, hey honey, what did you do? And I said, I ate dinner and I took a nap. She said, well, what else did you do? I said, I watched Netflix while I ate dinner. And it was amazing. But guys, in that solitude, we need to make sure and we guard it. That we need to know where the dangers are, where the landmines are, and to be able to avoid it. Charles Swindoll said this, great character like massive roots grow deep when water is sparse and winds are strong. The moment we go beyond these walls, gentlemen, it gets rough. The wind blows, the water is sparsed, the earth is parched. And so we need to make sure and remind ourselves that we need to guard our character. We need to guard our mouths, guard our eyes, guard our minds, guard our thoughts, guard our souls, guard our vocation. Bathe all of those in prayer. And then fourth and finally, we need to keep on serving. If you see there, it says a great number of people were brought to the Lord. What is the very first thought? The very first thought today was just simply, hey, listen, you need to show up. Guys, we need to show up. And then, what is it? We need to do something. And here is part of that. We need to keep on serving. 
We need to keep on serving. And let's be honest, when I go to work all day, the last thing I want to do when I get home is to do the dishes. How many of you are with me on that? Yeah? All right? I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to, You know what I want to do? I want to go to my comfy chair. I want to sit down. And what do I want to do? I want to watch Netflix. Okay? I want to watch the football game. Leave me alone. Let me have my solitude. As George Costanza says, serenity now, serenity now. Amen? But Yeah, a great theologian. But I'll, I want to tell you, when I get home, that's when the serving just really starts. When I show up to church, that's when serving really starts. I like what uh, the Sunday Express said many years ago. He said, most people wish to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. Guys, we don't, we don't need any more advisors. And I'm talking to myself. God doesn't need any more advisors. God needs us to show up and to serve. That's what he needs us to do. He needs us to show up and he needs us to serve. He needs you to show up at home and he needs you to serve your wife. He needs you to show up at home and he needs you to serve your kids. He needs you to show up at the office and he needs you to serve your boss. He needs you to show up at church and to serve him here at church. Wherever it is you are, find an opportunity to be able to serve. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Always abounding. You like that? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding means exactly what it says, always abounding. I should always be in everything that I am doing to be serving the Lord. I like what Joshua tells the children of Israel in Joshua 24, 14, and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Gentlemen, serve the Lord with all faithfulness. If you are not serving in some part of your home, of your church. I want to encourage you. If you want to find a place to serve here in church, text serve to 77978. We'll find a place. Dave needs people in children's ministry. Amen, Dave? Okay. Handsome Greg needs people to back him up singing because he's a horrible singer. Y'all with me on that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They need people to, to throw words up there. They need people to sing with them, help lead worship, people to play. Man, Frazier, we know how much help Frazier needs. We need teachers. We need directors. Man, guys, some of you in here, if you can hold a cup of coffee, then guess what? You can be in the connections ministry because this is the hardest thing you have to do in the connections ministry. Good morning. That's it. That's connections. Okay, Dennis Howe is in the connections ministry. And what does he do? He stands here at an aisle, he smiles, drinks coffee, and says, good morning. That's it. That's all he does. He does I, it well. And he does it well because he drinks coffee well. He looks good when he drinks coffee. I don't know what it is. But that's it. 
Guys, there is a place, there's an opportunity for you to serve here at the church, but look for opportunities for you to serve while you are at home. Look for places and opportunities where you can serve at the office because sometimes you are the only hands and feet that, Jesus, that people see. You're the only hands and feet of Jesus that people see. And God has called us to go and to serve for his glory and for his kingdom. Martin Luther said this, good works do not make a good man, but a good man does good works. Gentlemen, everything I've said today, John Mark has covered before. You've heard it from other guys. But I just want to simply remind you, show up. Man, be protective of your character. Guard that. Serve. And guys, let's go be the salt and light that God has called us to be in this dark and very bland world. Let's spice it up, shall we? Y'all have a great day. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. Father, as we go all of our separate directions, Father, I ask that you would make our hands productive. That, Father, we would show those that we work with and those that we are, we are around your truth, your light. That, Father, we would be an example. And that, Father, that we would be successful. And that people would look at us and they would point at us and they would say, how in the world? Are they able to do that? And that we would be faithful and give you the glory and say, it is because of the God I serve. Father, thank you that we could be here. And God, may we be examples in our office, in our home, and here at church. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. be back next week. We start a new sermon series, Old Men, or Mad Men of the Old Testament. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next week for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.